One of the things that's made me who I am um, was was a pretty tough thing to go through as a kid. Man, it happened when I was four years old, and I'm going to tell you all about it. What's up? My name is JC, and this is Life and Times of a Native Son, Season 3. I think this is Episode 4. Um, not sure. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's 4. Um, anyways, how you guys doing? I uh, hope everything's going good. Coming up on Easter here. I don't know if you guys got Easter plans or not. Uh, I don't know what we're doing. Um, life is just a little crazy now, so... the stuff that we would normally do I'm not even sure whether or not you know we're still doing a lot of those things um but typically um what we would do is uh go to church and and then uh go have brunch with my mother and father-in-law um but I you know I don't know if that's gonna happen this year I haven't heard anything about about that so um probably going to go to church with a friend and then uh, church with uh, with my kids after that um, and uh, I guess see what happens uh, you know the, uh, life has just been a little crazy and um, a lot of the things that we used to do um, we just don't do anymore um and that I, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if I'm, if that's unique to us, you know, because of, um, because of what happened. But I, I guess I would probably, if I would, if I was to put money on it, I'd say that it happens to a lot of people. They just over time, a lot of the traditions and things that you've kept um, start to go away. Uh, probably, you know, more people keep those traditions. But I'm sure there's a pretty good bunch of you guys out there who don't do the same thing. Um, that you did back in the day. Um, so, you know, I thought, kind of thought a lot about what, uh, I wanted to do on this podcast. And, um, if you've been listening from the beginning, um, you know that in the beginning, it was just a lot of really funny stories and things like that. Um, and then a friend of mine had passed away and I did a podcast about him and, um, you know, which was a little bit more serious and still had some funny stories in there. And then, uh, you know, my wife had passed away uh, uh, January of 2021. And for a while, um, it was a lot of serious, um, serious talk on here. Um, and, and that's fine. You know, uh, you know, the, the podcast is evolving and you can't really have a podcast called Life and Times and it all be sunshines and 
sunshine and rainbows. So sometimes you got to talk about, you know, the tough stuff. And uh, ever since the beginning, there's been a, a, a specific top topic that I've wanted to talk about. And I've just been very reluctant to do it because I don't know, I guess, first of all, how, uh, how um, you know, people in my family are going to feel about it. Um, and, and, and by no means do I want to hurt anybody's feelings or uh, piss anybody off because I'm throwing some, some pretty personal things out there. Um, and, you know, but it's, it's part of, uh, of who I am and, um, you know, for you to get, I guess, a better understanding of, of where I'm coming from on a lot of these stories and probably, you know, in, in all honesty, it probably had a it, specific event that I'm going to tell you about probably had a lot to do with the way um, the way that I uh, have been able to save the good memories because um, you know what happened was so awful that um, it made everything else um, seem even better I guess if that makes any sense I'm not sure if it does or not, and I'm not a, a psychologist or uh, a behavioral uh, counselor, so I couldn't tell you, you know, why that happens. But I, I guess that's my feeling on why I remember a lot of the really good times, you know, in in a lot of detail. Um, but um, you know, that's where I am. And all of that being said. Um, if you're listening to this right now, then I did decide to release this podcast, and I'm not I'm not sure if uh, if I'm going to at this point. I, I I'm just going to talk it out and um, uh, put it down and record it. And you know, part of it is personal therapy, and you know, part of it is you know for you to understand um, a little bit more about me, uh, but. Uh, you know, so um, I guess I'll just go with this. So I was born in Billings, Montana in 1971. I have a big brother and a big sister. My big brother is nine years older than I am. And my big sister is eight years older than I am. Um, my mom, um, who's Caucasian, married my dad, who's an, Amer- who's an American Indian. And um, it really has nothing to do with you know, I guess anybody's race really had nothing to do with what happened. Um, so I'm not saying that at all. I just kind of letting you know that, you know, uh, we come from a mixed family. Um, and in the last couple of years, um, this specific event that I'm about to tell you about, uh, has come back into light. You know, it came into light a couple of years ago when, um, my brother, sister, and mom and I had gone out for wine when I was home in Montana, and it was never anything that we really discussed together as as a family. Even you know, I don't know how many years later, so um, forty six years or forty five years. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but 
uh, a really long time where we just didn't talk about it um, as a group. I, I know personally that I had talked to my mother about it a few times, um, but never really, sp- and, and, and to my brother and sister, but not uh, as a group. Uh, but uh, so uh, back up a little bit and um, kind of Quentin Tarantino it and go back in time and um, tell you a little bit about what was going on. I don't really have any memories of my father before I was four years old. I don't really remember him being around. I don't remember, you know, my, you know, seeing my mom and dad um, hugging or kissing in the kitchen. Uh, My brother and sister do because they were older than I was, you know, um, when, you know, by, by my, you know, my first memory is really what I'm gonna, what I'm about to tell you. And, um, I think my parents were separated at the time. I'm not sure if they were divorced or not, but I'm pretty sure they were separated in the process of getting divorced. Um, my mom and my brother and sister and I lived in uh, a little two bedroom house and so my brother and sister and I shared a bedroom with uh, a bunk bed and I think another little bed on the side for my sister my brother and I shared the bunk beds and um, my sister in the other bed Um, but uh, I remember getting woken up in in the middle of the night um, and I don't remember any you know anything other than from right here getting woken up Um, and hearing my mom screaming and um, uh, and then me following my brother and sister into the living room and when I got into the living room my father was on the couch with his legs my mother and father were on the couch my, my mom was lying down on the couch and my dad had his legs on both sides of my mom and um he was punching her in the face, um, just like right, left, right, left, right, left. And my mom was screaming, um, not in front of the kids, not in front of the kids and not in front of the kids, like over and over again. Um, and then, uh, somewhere along the line, he quit and, um, went out the door and, um, and, and that was it. And, uh, you know, my brother and sister and I, you know, went over and held my mom. Uh, and um, and that was it. You know, I I know like afterwards, uh, I again, I didn't see my father very much. And I'm sure it had a lot to do with him being ashamed of what happened, probably afraid of consequences of what happened. Um, but uh and then, you know, the, the days after sitting on my mom's lap, watching her, her eyes go from black and blue to yellow um, while while the bruises healed on her face. Um, and I had always kind of given my father a free pass for the longest time of my life. I never I probably um, loved him unconditionally um, for a long time and. You know, despite the absence and the, you know, no birthday calls or Christmas gifts or anything like that, he still got a 
a free pass from me. And um, my sister, uh, when she was younger, was all was really mad at my dad and um, would always try to get me to hate my dad. And I'd always get pissed at her about it and be like, no, he's my dad. I love him for who he is and this and that. Um, but uh, he'd always gotten a free pass. And then um, in 2001, when my when my daughter was born... And after you kind of get past that whole, you know, first few months of crying, no sleep and changing diapers and crying and no sleep and changing diapers and not really getting uh, a ton out of a, out of out of an infant other than that, you know, other than just serving them for a while. And then, you know, once my daughter started to develop and get her you know, personality and her emotions and, you know, started walking and playing and doing the things that, you know, toddlers do, it started to become really difficult for me to understand what it was my my father did and why he did it. Um... And one night, uh, I was sitting around drinking wine, getting a little tipsy, and I called my mom to talk to her about it. And uh, I got a little bit more insight about what happened that night. And the insight that I got from her was two, were two things that uh, have made my view of my dad change drastically. And um, that free pass... Uh, is is no longer there. And the two things that she said is, A, uh, that my father had brought a gun. And, um, you know, I don't know what his intention was. And, you know, I guess if you kind of try to figure out what it is he was thinking, um, probably at the very least, killing my mom, um, possibly, you know, killing himself. And, and at the... And at the at the very worst, killing everybody in the house. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't happen. And uh, um, I think that part of that is because he scared himself, you know, after what he did. And that's probably had a lot to do with him just being absent all the time. Um, you know, dealing personally with the emotions of, of what you had, what he had done. And the other thing that uh, my mom told me is that that we didn't just get up because we heard uh, my mom screaming. My father woke us up because he wanted us to see it. And, you know, for me, that's even harder to, to accept, um, to forgive than him bringing the gun. Um, is he chose... To have a 14-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 4-year-old watch their father, who um, who is there to protect and love, um, that he thought it was okay to 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 do that to us, and um, I've often kind of wondered. You know what type of people my brother and sister and I uh, would have ended up being 
had we not experienced that and um and and that's on him and as a father myself it's very hard for me to accept that and um um I still don't know how to how to like process that with him because you know I spent a lot of time giving him a free pass and love that most kids give their fathers and um and then um you know that betrayal of of trust and disappointment you know that I felt when when my mom had told me you know exactly what went down that night um it's still very hard for me to accept and uh it's it's also um you know affected the way that I look at my wife's passing which was very traumatic you know um uh for everyone in the house um and uh you know I went you know sometimes before all of this happened and I was a little you know younger and even even into my 20s 30s and and some of uh my marriage whenever I would be feeling you know pity upon myself a lot of times I would roll back to you know what my dad did and I wouldn't feel um pity on myself I would feel pity on that 4-year-old me almost like I'm looking at one of my own children and um seeing uh how that would have affected my own children and uh you know as a father having your kids be those ages you understand a little bit more about you know uh where they stand in the world and how they look at the world and for the most part a 4-year-old looks at the world like it's great like uh if you've got good parents like uh you know it should be puppy dogs and um circuses and toys and candy and all of the things that you really enjoy when you're a kid and that's the way being a kid should be um and and I you know I'm not going I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't have a lot of those things cuz I did but I also had this really ugly thing and um you know and I feel sorry for 4-year-old me and uh you know one of the things with um losing my wife is the kids and I are all in counseling we did family grief counseling in August and then uh uh just recently started getting back in individual counseling and all of us are going to counseling individual and the way that's typically worked is all three of my kids will go for half an hour and then uh I'll go last I'll get a little bit of information about you know my kids visits and then um and then they'll you know and then my therapist will dig into you know my visit and you know one of the things that came out in one of my visits is the night that um my wife died uh you know it happened suddenly she had a blood clot in her lungs 
and at seven o'clock, uh, everything was fine and she was talking and life was like everybody else's. And at 7.45, um, my kids didn't have a mom and I didn't have a wife anymore. And um, when it happened uh, for her, she fainted in the, in the bathroom and uh, that's where I found her. And um, she looked like she was just unconscious for, for, for part of it. And um, uh, then she started doing some things that um, made me realize that it was more than just being unconscious. So I uh, called 911 and, and, you know, did all of the things that a 911 operator is going to want you to do, which kind of culminated in having to do CPR at the end of it. Um, so, you know, it was very traumatic and all of my kids were home and they all have different versions of, uh, what happened just based on geography of where they were in the house. Um, but, uh, you know, now, um, just under a year and a half later, uh, I've been struggling with it again. And probably part of it is that, you know, we had got back into therapy and having to talk about it and uh, relive a lot of the things that happened that night and um, trying to process the whole emotion part of it. And um, so that, you know, we can try to find uh, some happiness in this world. But... You know, one of the things that I realized is that when I start having these pity parties again, now not about my father, but about losing my wife and my kids losing their mom, um, I'm doing the same thing. I don't see um, 49-year-old me in the bathroom on the floor um, giving my wife CPR. I see... That four-year-old me in there witnessing something horrific and sad and um, and I'm trying to work that out you know and uh, it's it's uh, it's it's um, been very very hard to to move forward and make progress in life for the last few months and I don't know what what's going to fix that I'm I'm hoping that you know therapy does and I'm hoping that time helps me helps all of us not just me because my kids have been struggling too um and uh just want to do whatever it is that I have to do to feel better and um, to not be sad and to not feel hollow and to get back to a place where um, I can wake up in the morning and not feel shitty and um I know it's going to come, 
and I know that there's going to be eventually times where um, I feel the same way I did before all this happened. Um, I'm just hoping that it comes soon. But, you know, you know, one of the things that has been, um, that has come out of this is, um, is it's damaged my relationship with God. And when I was younger, um, we had moved to Texas and my parents didn't go to church. Um, there was a bus that would come to our neighborhood every Sunday and, um, take kids to church and one day I was like well I'm just gonna get on that bus and go to church and so for the um, probably two and a half years that I lived in Texas I went to this church by myself every Sunday and um, or went to Sunday school by myself every Sunday and then uh, we moved to Colorado and uh, I found another church and I started going to another church and um, the minister and his wife lived a block away from us and um my the minister's wife was my Sunday school teacher and she asked where my parents were and I said they don't go to church and um then they invited my parents over for dinner uh we went over there for dinner and after that my parents um started going to church again and um continued to go to that church until until we moved um but I was so in love with God at the time and trusted him so much you know because you know the things that you're taught when you're younger aren't the more difficult lessons that you learn in church about um, how hard life can be when you're younger you learn a lot about how great life with God is going to be and how he's going to protect you and you're going to be happy with your relationship with God and um um, and, 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 and I was, and I gave him that I gave God, um, that trust and love that you, that you do. And, uh, uh, I would minister as, I don't know, probably fifth grade is when I did it. I would minister to, um, uh, I administered to, I think two people that were in older people that were in the process of dying and just reading the Bible to them and um, helping them get right with God before they passed. And um, and my wife didn't get that opportunity because of the way she died. I mean, none of us even got a chance to say goodbye to her. And so um, I've been you know, very disappointed in God for, for that and for what he's done to me and the kids and all of the people that cared for, for, for my wife. And, you know, just thinking that wasn't what happened to me when I was a kid enough, you know, why do, why do I have to get this? And, um, I don't know. I'm still processing that. Um, and, uh, and 
and going to get it out. You know, the pastor told me I've got to, you know, do whatever I have to do. He says, it's okay to be mad at God. It's okay to shake your fist and and say that you're disappointed because he already knows it anyways. So it's not like you're saying anything that he doesn't that he doesn't know already. And um, uh, eventually I'll get there. Um, probably going to punch a punching bag and have it out um, with him. That's kind of my plan. I just got a membership to a local boxing gym. And um, that's really my reasoning behind doing it is just getting in there and being able to hit something and not go to jail and be able to work out some of my frustrations so I can repair that relationship with God. Um, but, uh, you know, I know it's not a happy story and I don't really have uh, a good way to wrap it all up yet. Um, eventually I will. And um, and I'll let you know when I do. Um, but right now, um, I'm, I'm just working through it. And if I don't know if, you know, you know what it is you do, you know, if you have prayers or if you pray to a God or, um, you know, are spiritual and want to send good vibes, uh, just think about um, myself and, and my kids and, you know, pray for us to find solace or um, find a, a happy place again. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, that's all I got today. Um, uh, and I, and, and I guess I don't really have anything else for you. Um, you can, you know, you can always reach out to me on Instagram, native son, um, 71 on Instagram. Uh, you can email me at native son. 1971 at gmail or you can find me on facebook it's just jc kelsey um if you have any questions uh suggestions or you know for future podcasts just shoot me a note on there uh you know um and i look forward to, to, to hearing from you um but you know that's all i got i hope you have a great week and uh, thank you for coming back and listening to me ramble for almost 30 minutes now. But uh, that's it. My name is JC, and this has been Life and Times of a Native Son. Peace, I'm out.